This is Planted, a podcast that encourages us to be rooted and grounded in Jesus Christ and established in the faith. Today, Pastor Matt handles tough questions about Christian suffering and a mystery that was once hidden but is now revealed. Hey everyone, this is Pastor Matt Grimm back here with the Planted Podcast, joined by Thad Keenel once again. How are you today, Thad? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me. Yeah. We have been uh, working through the book of Colossians here in this current series, and it's interesting as we have been doing this, I've been trying to incorporate not just the content of Colossians, but also giving, you know, some hints, some tips, some ways to help us with our own Bible study. We talked the last couple of times about it's good to have a partner. So, you know, we, we got Thad and I have each other as we're doing this. We've done, you know, study and prep ahead, but we come in and we have discussions. And I think it's it's a good thing to do to have that discussion uh, and to have people to do that. So as one of my jobs here at the church is, is pastor over small groups. And so, you know, I encourage you to to have those kind of relationships. But as we look at today, uh, one of the things that I want to help us think about a little bit, and I, I know Thad enjoys doing this kind of stuff, is just what's the importance of, at times, asking questions about particular words within the text? Sure. And so there's sometimes some words that it's just good to, if you can find a Bible dictionary, if you can um, have a Maybe you have a resource like an online Bible that, that you can click on things and, and find things, or you can Google things. And again, you need to be cautious of what sources you trust, obviously. But it is good at times to just know, okay, how is this word being used? Where is it used in other places in the scriptures? What, what happens when it's a rarely used word? And so forth, and things like that. So um, I don't know how much we'll get into that. Maybe we will even in some future episodes, but... But I think it's good, uh, one of those good things to practice in our Bible study. It, it for sure is. And, you know, we're dealing with English translations uh, here in the New Testament with from Greek text. Right. And so anytime you're dealing with a translation, some things can get lost. And there's multiple translations that are out there. And so you can pick any one of the literal translations. There's lots of them that we've uh, talked about in the past, King James, New King James, NIV, NASB, ESV, and those are little translation, uh, translations, and then there's some that are called paraphrase right. translations. And so if you really want to know what the text is trying to say, you want to stick with the more literal type. Mm-hmm. But within those English translations, um, reading it in the plain English, you're going to get 95% of the exactly. way there. You know, right. and So it's very plain. Um, so one of the things is not to try to change what the text is saying, but to enrich it and help us to exactly. understand it more. Yeah. And even within the, those groups that you said like that are, are more literal. There's even a range within some of them too, right? So right. like the New King James I'll use in the NASB, they're they're trying they're you can also read in in the different things they'll tell you their philosophy of translation. So if you look at the introduction of your Bibles, if they have an introduction and they talk about the translation committees, they'll tell you the, their approach mm-hmm. and they're they're trying to do certain things. So I know like for the NASB, they're trying more of a word for word approach. Right. Um uh with, with still trying to keep the meaning, you know, as best they can in that approach, where the NIV does something more they call the dynamic equivalent, where they're not going to be as concerned about word for word, but more thought for thought, right? 
And then when you get into more the paraphrase type things like the New Living Translations and the message and things like that, they're more are doing that paraphrasing or, or trying to put things in, in a more understandable language for us, but still get across the main point. Right, right, right. right. But the idea so, is for the general student, don't don't panic if your translation exactly, is exactly, right? exactly. It's, you're going to get you're going to get. But, but it is good to know where they're coming from. So and so that's why sometimes people will have two or three translations. They're like. And and you'll like Pastor Winans, who who's our, the main preacher at our church, our lead pastor. You'll hear him say sometimes even be critical and say, "I don't agree with the NIV here. I might prefer the ESV here, or things like that." And it just has to do with so it doesn't mean in saying those things that one translation is bad or good. It's just you know, um, it, it's just saying that he's done that work and and. and He's he's has the language sure. background. Yeah, and maybe sometime we'll judgments. do a class on um, you know, yeah. how we got our our text or yeah. our Bibles and yeah. that'd be good for us as well. Right. So but good. Yeah, so just some introductory comments there for us, and now let's jump back into Colossians. We finished up last podcast in, in verse twenty-three. So we see Paul kind of wrapping up after as he comes out of verses fifteen to twenty, where we had the preeminence of Christ in all things, and then he he brings back into the gospel of this reconciliation. That, that we have, that, that all Christ accomplished to make us holy and blameless before him. And then we talked about continuing the faith and steadfast and stable, keeping that allegiance to the gospel and all things which Paul himself is doing. And he's, and he's saying that, I think he's, you know, has proclaimed earlier that Epaphras did for them. And so out of this, when Paul says, of which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, of which I, Paul, became a minister, he then now is launching into somewhat of a defense or an explanation of that statement of, of what he is and what his what his mission is, Paul's ministry mm-hmm. to the whole uh, as the apostle to the Gentiles, and so that's what we're leading into today. What's interesting, while some people can view this as a defense of Paul, I think a lot of it is it's more I think Paul defending the mission and ministry of the church in general. Sure, uh, too. So it's yeah. important for us to think about that. But he's doing it from a personal standpoint as one who is involved in that mission. So um, I've got the ESV here. Uh, what do you have today here, Thad? I have uh, the New King James Version on, on my text as well as the ESV. Okay. They read very similar. All right. What, uh, how about you read for us today? Read, uh, I don't care which one you choose, starting in 124, and let's read all the way through chapter 2, verse 5. All right. I'm going to read from the New King James Version, and then that way you can see the contrast. Okay. It's, there's not that many uh, differences at all. So in Colossians 1, starting with verse 24, it says, I now rejoice in my sufferings for you and fill up in my flesh what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ for the sake of his body, which is the church, of which I became a minister according according to the stewardship from God, which was given to me for you to fulfill the word of God, the mystery which has been hidden from ages and from generations but now has been revealed to his saints. To them, God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. To this end, I also labor, striving according to his working, which works in me mightily." All right, I'll pick it up. For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not seen me face to face, that their hearts may be encouraged being knit together in love to 
reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. For though I am absent in the body, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the firmness of your faith in Christ. That's good stuff. Yeah. Okay, so um, we see, the reason I wanted to include the, the last five verses there, or the first five verses of chapter two, is because he, he, he continues to talk about the mystery which he brought up, he brings up at the end of chapter one, and he's continuing on with this impassioned speech or writing about his own um, struggles. Mm-hmm. And so I think they do, you know, a lot of ways go to it. So we might spend, may not spend a lot of verses on, a lot of time on those uh, verses in chapter two, but I think we'll reference them some even as we look at the the closing verses of chapter one. So, um, so he starts off with, now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, uh, and I fill up in my flesh what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, that is the church. So, um, so I, I want to just talk a little bit about and, and have us reflect on this idea of sufferings and then also Christ's affliction. So Paul is saying he's rejoicing in his own sufferings, but he's saying he's filled up in his, in his flesh what's lacking is with regard to Christ's afflictions. Now that's confusing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and But he says, for, for the sake of his body, which is the church. So um, so let's just let's think about our Bibles for a minute, all our Bibles, and think about passages, well-known passages in Scripture that would refer to someone who's going to suffer for others. So what what comes to mind as we think about that? Do you, do you think of any passages that that were um, there's a suffering servant possibly? well i mean you're going all the way back to isaiah yeah isaiah 53 yeah yeah so so there we have a picture a description of one who is suffering on behalf uh, for the afflictions of others right um uh, and and so in that i think if, if i'm remembering correctly that often even like today the Jewish people, present Jewish um, folks, would say this is a description of 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 Israel itself that mm-hmm. that they, they they see themselves as the suffering servant in, in some ways, right? right. So, um, by the way, which wouldn't be totally wrong, right? Because they would be um, God's ministers on earth, and so they go through sufferings as they are to shine the light to the rest of the nations as well. So there is an aspect yeah, there's as an the aspect. body of, you know, on yeah. earth at the time. Especially if they had yeah. faith in the, in, 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 in the Messiah who does that for us. So, so <laughs> right. yeah, that's, what I, that's kind of where I'm going, that I, I, think, gotcha. I think that Paul in some way is identifying with that, that yes, of course, Jesus himself is the true embodiment of that. He's the fulfillment of that. But it is a sense in which we participate, and I see. Paul, I think Paul is himself seeing how he participates in that through faith, but also that that faith is working itself out in his mission, right? Mm-hmm. As well, because if if we look at, let's just turn to Isaiah fifty three, and um, I'll just start in um, verse three. It says he probably well known to some of you who heard this read and in. in 
or, you know, Christmas, or especially Easter time, I'm sorry, Easter time, you know, referring back to this prophecy and, and this says, he was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief, and as one from whom men hid their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. Verse 5, very well known. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. And then mm. it goes on. Yeah, right. And so It gets very um, uh, personal. Uh, one, one person here doing something for, yes. a, for a people. So right. Israel's going to have a hard time explaining the duality yeah. there. But yes. Yeah. And in verse 6, too, you know, all... All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of mm, us all. Yeah, right. So, but so we see that it's it's is this for others, right? That, um, and so there is a sense in which, um, I think, I'm assuming Paul obviously is thinking of, of Jesus, but I think he, this might be a little bit in even in his mindset, Isaiah 53, as he's talking about, he's talking about suffering, his su- suffering for your sake. Now that your is plural, the your being, he's, he's applying this to the Gentile church. He's applying this to his mission to the Colossians, right? And so that which is, was done in Isaiah 53 for the people of Israel, right. he's now applying it for, um, for Gentiles as well. Uh, and so, so therefore, he's suffering for their sake, and in his flesh, he says he's filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions. Well, wait, if, if Christ's afflictions would be pierced for our transgressions, isn't he, um, what's lacking in that? Yeah, I thought it's, when he died on the cross, he said it is finished. This is a big question for me, right? Because, yeah. uh, I mean, when you when you read that on surface, on uh, at the surface level there, it says that... Paul is um, or filling up, so that means he's yeah. he's doing more uh, of what was lacking in Christ's mm-hmm. afflictions. It sounds like Christ fell short on some account, right? <laughs> I mean, that's yeah. uh, that's a one possible way to look at that reading. It could be. It could be exactly what what people might think. That's very troubling, and right? Just, uh, and we have so many other scriptures that. Uh, that say that you know, for example, when Christ was on the cross, you know, it is finished. So he right. com- he completed it. There is yeah. no more suffering for sins. And, yeah, yeah. And even in this own in this letter himself, you know, Paul says that basically he accomplished it. You know, by making peace by the blood on the cross. You know, in verse twenty, that that he's the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. Everything might be primitive. He's 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 reconciled us. He seems to be talking as this is an accomplished fact even in this letter, right? And, and other places we could go to too. So so when that when something like that happens, we say, okay, maybe I'm reading it wrong. Right. Okay. So what could Paul be meaning by this? Well I think as we keep going, we see that he's he's making he's filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, which is the church. And so is there something about the body of Christ, the church, that is incomplete? So it's not maybe not that Christ's suffering, his his affliction, his payment on the cross is incomplete or not yet complete, let's say. What about the body of Christ is not yet complete? Mm. Yeah, sure. Okay. So, so let's let's think about that. What could that be? Well, there's there's the 
great commission, which is to go out and preach, right? Yeah. And so there's going to be a time of trials and tribulations as they go out into a very dark world and have to share this message of salvation through the gospel right. Right, of Jesus Christ. And I I think we brought this verse up last week, or it was in the podcast that I did on my own, I can't remember, <laughs> but uh, uh, that uh, when Jesus is speaking to the, to the people, he says, take up your cross daily Mm-hmm. And follow me. If, you, if you're going to be my disciple, take right. up your cross daily. Well, that's that's no easy task. That's basically saying, um, pick up your death sentence. You yeah. know, this is what this is what you have to right. be willing to do to to be my disciple right. to share this truth. And so, um, and his, yeah, and that's what Paul's doing. That's right. what he is. Su- he's suffering for the sake of the gospel, right? right? In, in verse twenty five, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you to make the word of God fully known, right? And so, so he must be saying, okay, the word Christ, the gospel's complete in the sense that it's accomplished by Jesus, but is the gospel fully known as it should be mm. to the nations, right? Right? And so, so I think that's that's the major thrust of this. I think there's also potential. I think so. That's I would say that there's a quantitative nature, right, to the fact that that the body of Christ is not yet full, right? Right. Yeah. But I I wonder too, is there also a qualitative nature to that, in the sense that we are all, um, as he talked about early, he wants to present us holy and blameless and above reproach before him. Now we know that 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 Christ does that through his sacrifice in his life, death, and resurrection. We ultimately. We, we depend on his grace alone for those things, but there's a sense in which even now we're growing up in those things. We're becoming more mature in those things. And he uses that language later when he says um, in verse 28, him we proclaim warning everyone and teaching him with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. Right, right. Okay, right? so let me let me summarize this um, for us and see if we're on the right path here. Mm-hmm. So the very first thing that we're saying is that Paul... And his suffering is not adding one thing to Christ's redemptive work. No. That's that's the end right. of it. There's no treasury of merit, so to speak, no. in, in Paul or any of the other saints. Or, um, or that Paul can do on behalf of someone else. Right. Right? So, that I can't pay indulgences for my, you know, for my dead, you know, exactly, grandmother to right. get to heaven or something yeah, like that. Yeah, exactly right? You know? right, which is why we had the Reformation to begin with, because <laughs> right. they were using abusing that system, right? Yeah. So um, so that's A. Um, so Paul links himself to Christ's affliction is what we were just yeah. talking about, because we, the church, in a number of verses, are called to participate in the sufferings of Christ, exactly. I mean, this is this is the call, right? Right. So one, just as you mentioned that, I think of Romans eight, right? And talking, it was talking about our inheritance in Christ, mm. um, that w- that we are adopted sons of God. Uh, verse fifteen of chapter eight: For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs. So we've talked about that before: the inheritance that we have, heirs with Christ, mm-hmm. and so heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided. We suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified in him, right? So it's interesting that, that, that there's something about that taking up our cross and following him, that if we think that our faith in him doesn't also mean show itself in allegiance, 
in, in loyalty, a loyalty to even endure persecution, to endure the trials of this world, to endure all those things that, that we, we um, have to say no to the, those other things in the world that are to call out for our allegiance, that yeah. are to say, no, devote yourself to me, devote yourself to this, devote yourself to that. No, we, we say no to all those things and we stay true to Christ, right? right. By his grace, by his mercy, by, by his strength, but it's still something we participate in, right? We work out our salvation with fear and trembling. And so I think there's something that, that, that is related to that and that as members of his body, we are to imitate him. How did Christ do that in his ministry is the, is the servant above his master, Right. No, 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 right. no, no, absolutely. So yeah. we see that uh, um, we're called to suffer for Christ's sake, but it, it, the verse that you just read there, mm-hmm. um, um, since we're going to suffer with him, that we may also be glorified with him. So yes. there's, an, there's an end game of being glorified. That's the resurrection that we talked about last time, I think, right. where we have, you know, yeah. uh, through all of, all of this, uh, that trials and tribulation that we take place on earth here, mm-hmm. we have nothing to right. look forward to, but the glory right and that new, exactly and i would yeah. even i would even say i think i've mentioned this to you before i think there's a sense in which there's an already to that glory even now that there's the there's definitely the not yet but there's a little bit in the sense that we are seated with him right now right that in, like ephesians talks about that that he's seated at the right hand of god and we are seated with him and there's a sense in which even now pastor Wines is preaching on this right now in yeah. our church in the, in the only hope series is that there's something in that reign is the is somewhat that glory there's the the glory is related to the position the honor the 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 privilege of being the king of everything. And we, if we're going to be glorified ourselves, we're going to be, in some senses, participating in that divine nature, right? That there's there's some sense in which we one day will become like him in the sense that when we get our resurrection bodies, I'm getting off a tangent here, but that that we we will be transformed, right? Mm-hmm. And and so there's that glory. And there's a sense in which that's already been inaugurated. That's already happened now. And it's in that that we even are that gives us hope to preach the gospel and, and allows us to endure the suffering because because we know we're looking forward to something that is it's, is going to happen. It's, so it's all about what we talk about here being yeah. he's the firstborn among the dead, right? Yeah, well, it's so great <laughs> what you were saying about um, you know the already not yet portion of it yeah. because even Christ, um, uh, we say that he's been glorified now, but when he was on the cross. He was raised up in glory. I mean, there's that's yeah. There's there's glory in the suffering of Christ there, and exactly. so that's the parallel that you were making. And um, you mentioned the Romans eight, but Second mm-hmm. Corinthians also says something similar. Where it says, "For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so also our consolation also abounds through Christ." Yeah. So same same parallel. Right. So um, that's why when you have a complicated. Uh, verse right. like we just read here, you, yeah. you search the scriptures out and find all these others that explain it right. much more clearer. Yeah, there's an, another complementary passage is in Second Corinthians chapter one. Uh, he he, uh, I'll just pick it up in verse five. He's talking about comfort and in, in affliction and all these things. He says, "For as we shared abundantly in Christ's suffering, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. If we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. And if we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer. <laughs> right? And so there's this communal language. There's We're doing this together as part of the body of Christ, right? But in that suffering, 
we are comforted in the fact that it's that the work is completed by Christ in the sense of bringing us into his family. The gospel's complete, but we suffer as we continue to proclaim and live that out in the in a world that is dark. Right. And, and you were and teaching broken. on this um, not too long ago, but what are the two greatest commands that Jesus was asking the rich young ruler about? Right. To love God and... And love one another, love, love our neighbor. Right, yeah. love one another, yeah. love, love our neighbor. And um, we can't love God without loving our neighbor, right? right. And how do we love our neighbor on here? We come to serve. I mean, yeah. well, like Christ. I mean, he, yeah. he as our example. And serving is not an easy task, so there's no. suffering and serving. Yeah, there is. Know? And so... There just is. Yeah. And if, we're, if we follow Christ, what we do is, is we, like him... We give up our rights for the uh, for the other. It doesn't mean that we don't have rights. It doesn't mean we don't have freedom in Christ. But it means, hey, I'm going to lay this down um, for the purpose of being able to live out and share the gospel with someone else. Right. Right. So you know, Paul could have retired on on a beach in Crete or something like that if he <laughs> wanted to. Right. But yeah. but the Spirit said, oh no, you can't. <laughs> right. Right. You're going to go preach the gospel, and he was dead. Um, he was bent on getting, you know, to Spain. What he, you know, to what was the end of the earth to him? Because maybe if he got there, <laughs> right, <laughs> you know, exactly, the job would be done and Jesus would come back. Right. So, so. you're saying that. Um, um, so Paul here is uh, going through afflictions for the body of Christ, and then it leads right into mm-hmm. verse 25, right? Right. Yeah, which he becomes a minister. Um, as he's a steward of that, and I think the. Um, I remember looking that that word there for in the Greek that is is can be translated different ways. Um, the uh, or it's related to something. Um, I lost my place. But do you uh, do what? What's how did the New King James translate verse twenty five? It yeah. used the word stewardship, didn't it? It did to the stewardship from God, uh-huh. right? So, which has to do with the not only the call of salvation, but the use of gifts, right? Right. Which I think, which I think, the if I'm if I can find in my notes here, um, it's it's the word. There's the Greek word is. Um, oh no, I, I'm confusing with a different word. I'm thinking of the word commission. Oh, okay. Um, okay. I'm thinking of the word that's translated commission, which is uh, in verse twenty five. Which I minister according. Oh, but maybe that is it. Stu, maybe that's the words that some translations have commission, but here, like the ESV, also have stewardship. I'm gonna look what the NIV has um, there for verse twenty five. You know, by the commission God gave me. Yeah. So the NIV uses the word commission. I got gotcha. you. Okay. And that, that's, but it's it's the word oikonomia. Which is where we get get our word economy. Oh, is that right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So if we think about it that way, that it is the, it's the stewardship. It's the it's the um, here, the, this commentator um, Wall here in the in an IVB commentary he's saying the the word for commission, which is the NIV translation, is oikonomia, which envisions the effective and orderly work of a household or business. It's the same word from which we derive the word economy. Paul uses it here in reference to his missionary vocation for two reasons. First, Paul understands his calling in ministry within the context of a household, uh, God's household. He's a servant of Christ's church without personal ambition or, or any malicious sense of rivalry toward the apostles or even his opponents. And then second, Paul understands the task 
of his servanthood as those of a steward or trustee of an organization. In this sense, God's commission entrusts Paul with the management of God's household. So if we think about it in that way, it, it, yes, it's related to the gifts, it's related to this, but it's, it's again, it's related to the body. Right. The yeah. reason I like that, it's the, it's the stewardship of the body, which I think is so much what this whole passage is about. It's about that, it relates back to that filling up what's lacking with regard to the body. Right. Right. Well, it, abso- so, it absolutely is. Yeah. I just wanted to jump in for a second. Yeah. Um, here uh, at the end of verse 25, it, it talks about that that stewardship or the, the mm-hmm. commission that you're talking about is to fulfill the word of God. Exactly. And this is, this is the big picture because not only does God ordain the ends of salvation, right? Yeah. He ordains the means yes. through which that gospel goes forth. And so we participate in those means, right? right? Just as an artist uses a, a right. pen and ink. Right. Um, we're the instrument of God right. here. Yeah. And, you know, and as Reformed folks, as Presbyterians, we sometimes get accused of being the frozen chosen. <laughs> Have you ever you've heard that? <laughs> oh, yeah. You know? I've, I've, and so, and, and you know, and, and I'm like, you, that's a, I believe it's a total misunderstanding of, of, of what Reformed theology is, is, is promoting and, right. and talking about, because it is, and, and this relates to this, um, that this, I'm going to talk about this as it comes to verse 27. So we'll get, we'll, this was going to relate to, to, we'll get back into 26 a little bit, but it says, to them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of his glory of this mystery, which is in Christ. So, so here's the, the, you know, this Calvinism, this reform stuff coming up. God chooses, right? God, we could say God selects right? Which is related to our election, mm-hmm. right? So th- this selection, this choosing of God is always in the context of a purpose. Right. Election always comes with vocation, right? you know? And, and so it's not just about God saying, oh, I, I, I like Thad, I'm going to save him, and I like them, I'm going to save him. And so I know it's, I've got a purpose for Thad, mm-hmm. right? I've got a purpose for Matt. I'm choosing them and, and, and who are going to be participants in this kingdom work, right? And so it's so I think that's important as we think about this, that as Paul is saying, he became a minister and he's stewarding this. He's, he's being a good member of God's household. He's using his resources wisely to make the word of God known, right? right? Yeah. And if you ever take that out, you miss the point, right? right. Which gets back to the whole means. So God ordains the ends— God's sovereign over all salvation, but in his sovereignty, in his rule, in his decision-making, he ordains the means and by which we had to do something. Right, right. And that right? includes what we're going to talk about here in just a second, because you were talking about God willing to make known, or he chose to make yeah. known. Um, uh, in the Gospels, we see that there's this call that goes out to the nations mm-hmm. or to everybody, right? That's We call that the general call. Yeah. But when after we get past the Gospels, oh, there's one point in the Gospels where it says that many are called, but few are chosen. Chosen, right? Well, that's interesting. So there's a derivation between these <laughs> two, right? And then, but when we see um, in the epistles for after the Gospels, yeah. um, every use from then out of called is is a specific calling unto a purpose, and mm-hmm. this is what you're talking about, right? Exactly. So yeah, yeah, and and that's where I think. Um, I get frustrated at times when it when people maybe it's because I don't communicate well or maybe but think that we're that there's this 
cold God who's just predestined everything. And, you know, even if I, you know, decide God, like God predestined that I wear this shirt today, you know, and I had no role in that. I was just some kind of mindless robot who, who put it on, you know, kind of thing. And that's God needs better taste. (laughs) It's a handsome shirt. (laughs) Well, no, but I think that's, I think there's a, you know, yeah. We can take a word or take a concept and, and draw out what we think is the logical conclusion to that. Things like predetermined and things the way we think of it. But we have to go to our bib, our Bibles and say, what's the biblical theology of that word? Right. How is election applied to Israel? How is it applied to the church? How is it applied to us? It always comes with vocation, right? If you think about just the way we elect representatives, we we go to a voting box and we select people to for what? A job. Yeah, right. Right? You know? And so we we should think of that in this case because the majority of times this is used of in the Old Testament, New Testament, it's with that idea in mind. It's not God's not electing us just to go to heaven and and play harps and sit and sit on clouds and sing to him. That's not the purpose of election. The purpose of election is to be his representatives here on earth, you know, to fulfill that mission. You know, and and to to not put it in to take that part of election away is, I think, what distorts what elect election is, and makes you think of just this cold, predetermined. Um, I like uh, A versus B kind of a yeah, mentality, yeah. right? It, well, it's never cold because yeah. um, cold it means kind of like you always think of that without love. But yeah, the right thing for God to do based on our sinful acts from Adam all the way through, right, mm-hmm. is to judge us. Right. Yeah. And so, in our fallen state, we are worthy of nothing but judgment. It says the wages of sin is death, right. of course. And so, we're worthy of that judgment. But what does God do? He He places grace upon us, and exactly. it pays the highest price. Exactly. Right. And so, that is yeah. that, that is an incredible love, and that call, that gospel message, goes out to all all the world. And how God ordains um, the final people to come in is. That's on God. He's God. He can do and handle his people however he wants. Yeah. Now, we have no excuse, right? Right. We, we have no excuse. And, and he's sovereign in all that, right. right? And the other thing is, do we? part of the call on us of faith is, do we trust that, that he's going to do what's right? You know, that that <laughs> yeah. comes back to our loyalty. Well, yeah. let me just ask some questions sure. and, and look at the text and answer these questions from the text, all yeah. right? Who selects us? God. God selects us, right? Verse 25. Um, how does he select us? Verse 27. Um, is, we, I'm he says, well, he says the, to, to them God chose to make known the great among the Gentiles are the riches of his glory, of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory, right? So, so. Oh, oh, I, okay. When you right. said, "How does he choose us?" I, I thought you were asking. No, yeah, no, um, it's it's in Christ. Yeah, you're, oh, we are chosen you. in Christ. Um, we're not chosen because because he likes you more than you. You know, you're not chosen because he likes your shirt better than mine. Well, that's, that's, <laughs> right? I do have to admit that. <laughs> but no, that, that he's, right. he selects us in Christ, right? Right. That um, that, and and the, and again, there's a plural. The use here again are are y'alls, right? They sure are. Yeah. They're plural, right? So. Um, so his, we, the church is chosen in Christ. He's our head, right? So again, Christ is getting the glory in all this. Um, so, 
our status and our worth, our selection is all wrapped up in faith in Christ, right? So when does it say he selected us? This would be verse 26. Yeah, I, oh, you're making me yeah. go back. <laughs> go, going backwards. Oh, yeah, so I was going to, because I was going to say from the beginning of time, but the, the wording there is, um, it's been hidden from the ages. Yeah, ages, yeah. generations, some versions will say long ago. Mm-hmm. But it, yeah, so which goes back to the, you know, we can go back to Ephesians 1, it talks about before, he predestined for the foundations of the world, all those things, right? But uh, the mystery that's been kept hidden for ages and generations, let's talk about this word mystery, um, when, what, what do you think it's, this mystery is, is all about? Well, to me, when I think of mystery, you know, I'm thinking of Sherlock Holmes. It's something yeah. that you got to try to figure out on your own. <laughs> yeah. You know, you got to pick up clues and, right. and try to figure it out. But I have a feeling that's not what he means here. No. Yeah. I, the mystery that, well, so one thing we can, we can say the, we can get the answer to it by, by seeing what has been revealed, Right. And so uh, we know that the mystery is, as it says here, is now revealed to his saints. The mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory, which is, again, collective. Um, And then we see later on, um, if we keep going down in in verse, in chapter 2, right, when he talks about the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ— in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom. So, so it seems to be there's this relationship of the mystery between Christ and the people. Sure, right? sure. And so what was, so then we have to ask ourselves, so if the answer is Christ in us, you know, just to sum it up in some way, is the mystery, then what was hidden? What was hidden in the ages past? What was, what was, now when it's hidden, it doesn't mean that it wasn't there. Just like we can go back and look at Isaiah 53 in light of the Christ event, which if we mention the Christ event or you hear scholars say that, that means his life, death, and resurrection, right? The, his whole, the whole thing. Right. Right. It was so, something that was once hidden in plain sight almost, but it, yeah. it required enlightening right. for the revelation right. to, to right. reveal the mystery. Right. So we can go back who have faith in Christ. We can see, read Isaiah 53 and say, oh man, it's just plain as day to us in Jesus, right? But for those who reject Jesus, they'll look at that and they'll say, no, that's talking about something else. Right. Right. But the point is, there are, you can see the clues were there. We can look back at, at Abraham's, God's test of Abraham with Isaac, right? His son, his only son, right? Who's, 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 who he has to believe God can raise him from the dead. We can look, oh, say, yeah, yeah, Jesus is there. We see types of Jesus in in there, right? right? But And so it was hidden. They didn't necessarily know. But once Jesus appears and once he lives and once he dies and once he's raised again, we can look back on this and say, oh, there it is, right? Sure, yep. Yeah, and and so and one of the mysteries, too, is especially for 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 someone like Paul, who was, who was a Jew, was that, oh, this also includes the Gentiles. Right. And right? That's, so, right. So I think that's a big thrust of this, is that it's the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which it says in verse 27. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that, uh, now, it's not to me that Jews aren't, but it's that the Gentiles are included in this. Right. right. Right? Where before, I think a lot of, we would say, well, it was just for Israel. But again... That little hidden gem was there as well, right? Because the Israel was always supposed to be a blessing, a blessing unto the nations, yeah. right? And they were to right. be the ones, the light bearers of, of God's word exactly. to the nations. And I, you know, pride sneaks in, and you get a little bit. Um, hey, I'm uh, 
Yeah. I'm God's frozen chosen, <laughs> yeah. right? That's what they <laughs> Right. Yeah, exactly. So, so they're yeah. they're sitting there pointing their fingers at these outsiders that are yeah. sinners. What they really should be doing is saying, Do you know that God yeah. um has an offering for you? Exactly. Type of, you know, and sharing that same truth. And uh yeah. the same Turn concept. From- yeah. Turn from your gods and come to ours. Repent and believe. Right, yeah. exactly. And then we've already talked about this. So the other question, which we already mentioned, so we, we looked at the the who was God, the how is in Christ, the when is long ago, is part of, been God's part of plan all along, right? Um, and then the why, we've already mentioned it's for service. The why is for a purpose. The why is that we would serve um, the gospel, that we would be proclaimers of it, we'd be, we would embody the uh, the very life of Christ in us because we are called His body, right? Mm, that that right. we do that, right. and so um, so I think I just a little illustration here that because um, I I mentioned last week that I had written a sermon on this years ago, like twenty years ago, and I have this little illustration that I read. And I thought it was I, I really like it. Oh, great. <laughs> well, let's, I, let's so hear it. so um, it has to do with when I was young. Um, I was I went to this elementary school. It was a K through six school. Um, and then we went to somewhere else for seventh and eighth grade. But my brother, I have an older brother who's four years, four grades ahead of me. And he, when he was a sixth grader, really probably before this, he, he, he wasn't that big of a kid, but he was the best basketball player in the school. Right. And so he would, and then, so before school started and at recess every day, there, there would be a pickup basketball game. I grew up in Indiana. We love basketball, right? <laughs> so there'd be a pickup basketball game for school. And, and usually, you know, the, the older kids would, would choose the, would select the teams. And so here I'm a little second grader runt running out there and I'd want to play. Well, my big brother, whenever he was one of the ones choosing the teams, he would always select me to be mm. on his team. And so I'm out there playing with a bunch of fifth and sixth graders, right? But I'm this little run second grader. And so he selects me because I'm his brother. He loves me by grace. Really, he's selecting sure, me, yeah. you know? But just because he selected me does didn't mean that I could goof off. It didn't mean that I could go do whatever I wanted. He selected me, and he expected me to play hard. He expected me to do the right things, even though I was smaller and stuff. He he knew that I had as good a skill or sometimes better than some of the older kids. Yeah. And he expected me to play well, you know, and he expected me to pass him the ball, <laughs> right? <laughs> but the point is, he selected me with the expectation that I would be effective, right. even though maybe I wasn't as worthy as some of the other ones. He still effect, expected me to fulfill my role and, and not gonna, just go out there and goof around. Yeah, and right? I'm going to guess that because of your adoration of your older, bigger brother, yes. you know, that you gave yeah. the best effort that you could. I did. And the other thing is, is he actually worked with me and taught me. And when if I would mess up, I would do stuff wrong. He would teach me, right? And even when we weren't playing together, you know, when we were at home, he would, he would you know, beat up on me and school me and things like that. Just make me suffer yeah. no, I'm <laughs> for curious. the purpose of making me better, right? <laughs> yeah. I'm, for the purpose of making me better. I'm curious, just how gracious was he when you got better than him? <laughs> <laughs> he was, he was pretty, he was a little great. He was fairly gracious. It was tough on him though, because I actually grew up, I, I end up, 
growing about three inches taller than him, right? And got a little bit faster than him and all those things. And so <laughs> that day when I finally did beat him one time, it was not an easy pill to swallow so it's, for him. <laughs> it's not once chosen, always chosen. Yeah. <laughs> but but uh, I, think, I don't know. I just think that's a good illustration, you know, that, that we got to remember that, that we are chosen by grace. It is by love. And, and we... And it's not necessarily going to be easy, but we shouldn't also expect that we're going to be, that we have to be this super effective person, you know, that that people are always going to respond well or all those things. But the point is, but there is an expectation on us that, yes, you are going to be productive in the body of Christ. Right. And that's why we do sometimes a spiritual gifts test or or, or whatever. But the idea is, you know, we're not all going to be preachers. Right yeah. or teachers, and there's so many different areas to to serve. Yeah. But the idea is, do something. You know, exactly. Plug in. Find some, find one of your passions because God works according to our passions right. sometimes. Right. And He's going to use any of those things for the advancement of the gospel. Right. Right. It's like let's say you love little babies. Right. And so you can come and work in the nursery. You can hold babies in the nursery, and that's going to help a parent hear the word of God mm-hmm. and, and grow up more mature in Christ because you're holding that their their kid for the right. for the hour, you know? All that's it, it's all thinking how is this serving the purpose of the preaching and and advancement of the gospel. Right, 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 and there's right. a lot of supporting things that go into that too. So yeah. Um well well it, it related to that then as we keep going, and we see that the, the, this is related to Paul's mission because he understands the mis- this mystery, is, which is Christ in them, and his, his passion to preach the gospel, especially to the Gentiles. So in verse 28, he says, Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom. And, and then later, if we jump down, when he talks about this wisdom is the understanding of the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ. So when we think about that wisdom, it's all related to the gospel in some way, right? Uh, so him we proclaim, says, that we may present everyone mature in Christ. Now, uh, I know the ESV has mature. Does the uh, does the New King James does it use the word perfect? It uses the words perfect, yes. Okay. So this is, the, this is, again, one of those word studies. We talked a little bit about the word economios, you know, right? Here's another one, is this word teleos, okay? Uh, and so, which is sometimes translated perfect. You, you see the ESV has translated here mature. Mm-hmm. Now, so when I think of perfect, what's, and I think of religion, I think of faith, you know, I think of perfect, I think, oh, that means I'm morally pure. I'm, yeah, I'm without I'm, flaw. I'm without, yeah. Yeah, which is not a... Right. Good image of this. Yeah. Right. And so and now there's a sense in which that we will get there one day, right? Mm-hmm. But to present anyone mature, it, it has to do with what's the, the telos, the teleos, which related to telos, has to do with the end of things, okay? So in Greek, like you have the arche, which I think we may, may have mentioned in, in back in the we did, uh, we were talking chapter about one the about the angels first, and stuff, yeah. And, and the firstborn of all creation, right. all that kind of stuff. You have the arche which is the beginning, and the telos is the end, right? So even if you think about like the book of Revelation, the Alpha and the Omega, the A and the Z, all those, you know, those kind of things, you have the, the telos is that end. And so um, there's a sense in which the, to become perfect is to, get, is to reach the end. He wants to reach the end, and some... some that, do you know if that word is part of the um, root of like tetelestai, the complete, paid, and full? Mm, that's a good question. That's interesting. I just was coming. I to should. Me, so. know, I actually, I should know that. 
And I, I don't remember because I because it seems I've like done a message a... on that in the past. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, but it, yeah, that'd be an interesting but study that's, to in look that at. sense complete, right? To be and that's yeah, it's yeah. complete. And 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 so um, the reference to uh, this, I just want to see a little bit here. This is the Laonida dictionary. It's a Greek dictionary that that talks about this, and it 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 says in a number of languages it. This this word can sometimes be even used with with reference to being initiated into something, okay, um, and, and so especially as it relates to like mystery religions, which is one of the things that that Paul is concerned about for the Colossians right. as it relates to things like Gnosticism and there's a secret mystery and the secret knowledge that you have to have and so forth. And so it, it says an interesting thing here. It says, in a number of languages, initiated may be best expressed as to become a member of or to become a believer in, which, which, which that's what we want with Christ. It says, it is possible, however, to interpret teleos in both Philippians 3.15 and Colossians 1.20 as a mature spirituality or state of being spiritually mature, right? So I think that's more the connotation here. But I was thinking about, is there, I always like to say, could a both and be possible? Sure. Right? Yeah. And so... What Paul, what Paul is trying to do is initiate everyone into the faith, <laughs> right? Right. The, 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 that's part of the Great Commission, and so, so with that, he wants to present everyone. And and part of being initiated is to is to if you think about getting baptized or or like coming into a member that you're pledging allegiance. You're saying, I I'm a follower of Christ. He I'm a sinner. He died for me. Um, I I trust in Him alone. Right. And so in that sense. Taking that first step of faith, of that regener, as a result of our regeneration, everything is an initiation, right? But the expectation of that initiation is that it would reach its fullness, right? That it would reach perfection in the sense of maturity. That we that initiating point would end in completeness, right? Which we know one day will happen, as we talked about being glorified, right? In the right. new heavens and the new earth. But that's the trajectory of the life of faith that we that we go on, right? And Paul knows in his preaching, I think, that it's it's that it's at all encompassing. I don't think, you know, he wasn't concerned to just about, oh, okay, they made a decision for Christ, I can move on. If that was the case, he wouldn't be writing these letters to the churches and correcting their all their mistakes and errors, right? Right, right. In one sense, if I just hear the general gospel message and believe it, I've been made complete, right? But mm-hmm. um, with... With the information, um, as I learn it, uh, the more to learn about Christ, the entirety of, of his revelation and the scriptures themselves, we grow in that. It's almost like sancti- to be sanctified in sanctification, yeah, right? right? So we, 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 we've been glorified, or sorry, we've been justified. In, in a sense, we've already been sanctified, right? Yep. In, a, in another sense, we've been glorified because we sit in the heavenly realms with him now, <laughs> yeah. right? But but yet, um, and all of that, we talk about you say this all the time, yeah. the already not yet aspect yeah. of, of, of this. And so yeah. here to present every man complete with the revelation that they have and they believe the word of God, they're complete, right. they're complete in that, but right. yet there's more. It, but there's, And it, it relates to the, we've talked about the three tenses of, of salvation, the past, present, future mm-hmm. elements. It's all related to that, which I think is important as, as we get back to these other through things we've talking about, because there's a sense in which we're still making up what is lacking in the body of Christ. We still have to, more people need to come to, need to be initiated, and all of us need to keep growing to maturity, 
right? And it, it relates also then to the, 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 the serving, right? The, the more we grow, the more that we become mature, the more effective stewards we're going to be mm. of the grace that, that God has given us. And so the, the more effective teachers will be, the more effective servants will be, the more effective um, husbands and wives and, and children and, um, you know, nursery workers and whatever, you know, however we're to serve, the more we grow in Christ, the more effective we will be in all those things, right? right? right. And so, so then Paul then says, it's for this, it's for this very reason, it's for the sake of the gospel, for its expansion, for its growth, it's, this that I, it's for this reason that I toil, um, struggling with all his energy. And so he, he recognizes that where, it is, where does his strength come from to do this? Even though he's suffering, even though he's going through all this, he's able to do so. Why? Because of the power that works within him. Exactly. Right? The power that works within him. And so he, um, he's not alone in his fight. We're not alone in his fight. We constantly draw—the body of Christ is constantly drawing strength from its head. Mm-hmm. Right in that sense, and he knows that. And with that, then I think that, again, this also relates to as we jump down into chapter two. He says, "I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you." So he's struggling, but he remember he just said he's struggling with the energy of Christ, right? Right. It's for those that lay out of sea and all those who've not seen his face. So he's even able to say he's even struggling for people he hasn't even met face to face. Remember, he hasn't even been to Colossae as far as we know, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and he, so he's able to say, I. He wants their hearts encouraged. He wants them to be knit together in love. Why? To reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ. So, again, that relates back to the whole being presented mature, right? It does, And yeah. And it's all—and this maturity is always going to be related in some ways to the gospel of Jesus, how he is king, how he's won everything, how he's defeated sin, how he's defeated the powers of sin and darkness, how he's overcome death, all those things. that We can know the— that in seed form, but it's going to grow and blossom and get bigger and bigger. Right, yeah. And we right? can understand when we're first saved and we believed on that gospel mm-hmm. that, that Christ died for us, that we have life in him, but we're not very confident. We don't have much assurity that, yeah. that we're going to be able to finish that race, right? Right. So with that that knowledge of the gospel, right. the, the, the full scripture, um, and growing more in, in his word, we have more, I want to just call it ammo, so to speak, <laughs> right? To to believe. We see more of his faithfulness. And the more that we see, the more times that we turn on that faucet, the more times that we're assured that yeah. the water is going to come out. Right. And, there, and that's, the, uh, that's the hope that right. we have. And so it's in him, verse three, are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And so... Uh, this goes back and wipes out all the all the um, uh, things that we were talking about earlier that that Paul is working to do more completion, right? Because it's all in Christ. It's all in Christ, right? And 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 again, let's think contextually here, because this is an issue, this is written to the Colossians, and I just mentioned about these mystery religions, this Gnosticism. There's this secret knowledge. He's saying, if you want to know the secret knowledge, if you want if you want wisdom and understanding, if you think that. You know, if you could spend more time in the in this philosophy or studying this thing or that thing or you know, then then we'll figure it out. And he's like, no, it, you want it, you want all wisdom and understanding. It's in Christ. Now, it doesn't mean that I shouldn't study physics or astronomy or different right. things. It's just that. But if you want to know what makes those things meaningful, 
And ultimately, what you're, the, in some ways, they are going to point to Christ, who is the all in all. He's the firstborn of creation. He's the firstborn among the dead of redemption, right? That all things relate to him. And so as we acquire other knowledge and other wisdom, if we're not seeing how it relates to all of God's purposes in creation and redemption— then we're just we're we're dabbling in foolishness, mm-hmm. right? Right, right. Uh, and we're and we're um, on on the scarier side of things. We're we're dabbling um, in the mystery religions with false gods. Yes, yes. It, it eventually is going to lead to idolatry. It's going to lead to false allegiances that only are expressions of that which gave us death in the first place. Right, right. right. And so, so. It'd be like um, I think I've used this illustration before, but it'd be like um, follow, investing in a bankrupt corporation, right? Yeah. Why would you want to spend money in something that's just already been declared dead, right? <laughs> uh, you wouldn't want to. That's already been declared. You're, there's no fruit. There's no inheritance in those things, right? And so, um, but if you want to know, have all wisdom and understanding, the full knowledge of what God is doing. The, the filter we need is Jesus. The, you need to have your Jesus glasses on. <laughs> if you don't have your Jesus glasses on, your Jesus ear earphones in, um, your Jesus gloves on, however you're taking in information, right, then you're not going to be getting it because all, it all comes through him. Right. And what are so many people attracted to in this world but um, mystery type stuff like Hinduism, yeah. the New Age movement, right. and uh uh, even uh, false religions such as the Jehovah Witness um, yeah. aspect, which um, is an apparent Christian religion, right. and, and the Latter Day Saints. But what I've always um, kind of come to to believe behind uh, some of these mystery religions, if you will, right. uh, are things like uh, Freemasonry. Oh which, yeah, which is an esoteric oh. aspect, and and people see it as a general thing, and 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 people do good right. for the communities and stuff. But what they don't understand uh, is that there's a power that's behind this mysteries, right. and it's all for naught. And so what I always tell people, if you're wondering if a, um, a religion is true or a Christian religion faith is true, is are they hiding anything? Because we right. have nothing to hide. It's an that's open right. book. We can walk right through it. But when they go behind closed doors and they're in secret meetings and nobody else is allowed right. in like uh, they are in some other places, take Take warning because right. of that, right? Yeah, I may not know the answer because of my ignorance, but I'm not doing it because I'm hiding something right. or ashamed of anything, right? Yeah, yeah it's definitely that way. And then, which just leads to which all is leads to verse four of chapter two. Says, "I say this, he's saying these things, he's writing these things in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments, mm. right? Because a lot of these things, it's gonna, they're gonna." They wouldn't be saying, they wouldn't have their arguments if, if there wasn't some plausibility to them, if there wasn't some sense of, oh, that kind of makes sense, right? They're plausible in some sense, but when you get down to the root and foundation, you know, they'll fall apart. Mm-hmm. But they're going to sound good. These, these, you know, whether they're a salesman, whether they're some philosopher, if they're some, uh, some teacher, some expounder of this, some leader of some movement— they didn't get where they were if they didn't sound plausible. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. And Paul will sometimes hit this head on when he says, where is the wise? Where is the disputer of this age? Yeah. Right? And he just says, you know, you are right. bringing false truths where the right. Bible, the Word of God is right. the full the full deal. You know, see what you can do to dispute that. Right. And the funny thing is that sometimes God uses foolish ways <laughs> according to the world, right? The foolishness of the he cross. Does. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. So yeah, we, he, he, he achieves power and strength through weakness, 
right? Through laying down his life instead of taking up life, right? Right, right. And, and which he does actually resurrect life. And it's a good know? thing that, that we're weak and that uh, yeah. it's in our weakness and our sufferings. Otherwise, right. um, I know my nature uh, or my flesh is going to be filled with pride right. on my own accomplishments. Right, exactly. But, but in my weaknesses, I can keep pointing to Christ to him right. be the glory, right? Exactly. And so what do we do um, in order not to delude, be deluded? We root ourselves. We plant ourselves, just like ah, this co- podcast. Like we get it. planted in the Word of God. We plant ourselves in the truth of the gospel, and we always try to filter everything through. How, what does this have to do with the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus? Mm. How is he the fulfillment of all things? How is he um, not just my personal Savior, but the Savior of the world and the Savior of the universe, the entire cosmos? Because he is before all things and in all things and through all things and in all things uh, they hold together in him right which is exactly what paul is suffering for which he's he's striving with all the energy of christ who's working within him to preach that gospel to the nations wow that's fantastic good, yeah. good stuff so what do you think where do we go next time so next time we're going to keep going in, in uh, i think we're going to pick up in chapter in, in chapter 2 verse 6 um we may just we may look back a little bit to, ch- to verse five and, and to relate it in, but I think we'll pick up in verse six and see how far we go. Um, I doubt we get through verse fifteen, but uh, we'll we'll see how far we can get. Uh, really good stuff here. We're gonna. Yeah. I mean, this is gonna be an exciting passage as we see uh, mm-hmm. what Christ has accomplished on the cross, um, not only uh, for. Uh, those on earth but also in the heavenly realm yeah exactly exactly (laughs) all right good stuff well come back next week sounds good all right have a good day everybody we hope you join us next time as we will be warned not to be taken captive by the philosophies of this world Planet is a Cornerstone EPC production, connecting to God, one another, and the world through the love of Jesus. More information can be found at cornerstonebrighton.com.